It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Good evening, everyone. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. We are here on MixLR this evening. We have a really... Is, is that different than usual? Uh, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, trying to spice it up a little, you know? Okay. Change sorry. it up a little bit. That's okay. Um, so our guests this evening, of course, I'm excited about it. So we have Nick Groff and Katrina Weedman from Paranormal Lockdown. Um, they Which have I've a, seen. Yeah, oh, you, there you go. Yeah, it's a really cool show. They locked them. They go in for like seventy-two hours straight in some of the craziest and sometimes places I've never been seen before. So I find it really cool. But I just, you know, my main concern. Yes. If they're there for seventy-two hours, are they showering? <laughs> I read something about the fact that yeah, they gets a little stinky. But it does. That's but anyway. seriously like I watch yeah. it and and I start to think after the first day I'm like oh my god have they showered and they're like <laughs> doing like workouts or something I'm thinking they're working out but is there a shower? I, I just I, yeah probably so in some of the locations they don't. That's going yeah. to be a question I ask. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, this Halloween. We have a treat because there's going to be a two-hour paranormal lockdown. It'll be airing October 31st at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on TLC, followed by a special encore presentation on Destination America at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Where are they going to be? They're going to be at the Black Monk House in Yorkshire, England, which is one of the most, like, active and violent poltergeist cases of all time. Before Amityville and and Enfield, bam! So it's a live event, you said, or is it, have Um, everybody done it? I don't think it. No, it's not a live event. It's, oh, thank it's, God, because I would think they should be on an airplane. Not yes, showering. otherwise not talking to us. Yeah, that would be kind of hard right. to do them both, unless they're there doing it live from there. But no, no, it's a it's a, a pre-recorded event. But yes, yeah, so this is going to be kind of okay. interesting to talk to them because you know we've had people on before about the Black Monk House, and it's a it's a crazy place, man. The There's Black some, Monk of like Pont Pontefract. It's Pontefract. Pontefract. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's definitely yeah, 30 Black East Monk Drive. Uh, yeah, because it's based on uh, Gene and Joe Pritchard. Uh, they moved into the house in, like, the 1966, and uh, that's when things started to get a little weird. And slowly really? by slowly, yeah. Think, and then there were spots where there was, like, nothing, and then stuff was happening. So, And the, uh, a, the entity actually gained the name of Fred after a while. So it's going to be uh, – I'm, I'm not exactly sure how that came about. Um, I know how the monk – uh, part came about but Fred but we'll talk to them about that anyway so well maybe I'll be so exhausted from the party with the children <laughs> with the, the hundreds oh, yeah. and hundreds of children at the museum uh, yeah. that when I get home I will sit and that's what I'll do and drink and drink I'll probably drink too drink a, drink a lot uh, the, the children <laughs> yeah if I could drink before the children, I, I'm telling you, I would. So, what, so what is this event? T- tell us what this, this event is. This is the third year I've done this. So the Lewis okay. County Historical Museum every year around Halloween. This year it's actually on Halloween. It's yes. part of um, the Joint Downtown Association of Chehalis and Centralia. We host a carnival. Oh. And uh, the kids go between the two towns. There's a trolley. Um, yeah. And they trick-or-treat at businesses and stuff. Well, the trolley lets off in the museum parking lot. So what happens is about every 10 minutes, 
hundreds of children swarm through the doors of the museum. <laughs> so it's where you say swarm well, through the doors. They do. I mean, there's just no other way to explain it. It's, it is, and they're adorable. They're all in costume and they're all sugared up and, you know, and they're, they're cute and excited. And, and I love seeing all the kids. I don't even have a costume. I need to come up with one over the weekend, but anyway, so I love seeing them and they're adorable, but Oh my God. <laughs> taxing. Is it? It's, taxing? it's, it's exhausting. Yes. <laughs> it's a little tiring. Oh my God, it's well, noisy. Yeah. And, um, the energy and of course as an empath anytime i'm around all that energy is a little tough for me anyway to keep it all blocked out so yeah so yeah so this will be my third year this is actually the third year we've done the party it's a free Mm -hmm. party kids come in they can do things like little ring toss and we have a fishing booth and you know we have cookies and candy so this year we have 550 bags of candy and they'll be gone within the first hour or so that's cool. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm going to the Sense of Samadhi tomorrow just to hand out flyers for my get some people drummed up for my class and do some free, you know, simple reads. Uh, so that'll be fun. And of course, November fourth will be the uh, class from seven fifteen to eight forty five right here at Yorkville. Illinois. I was going to say Yorkshire, Yorkville, Illinois. Yorkshire would be in England, and I won't be there. So Yorkshire, um, yes, yeah. Yorkshire, like the pudding. Yorkshire, Yorkshire. So okay. So um, also one more thing. Yes, this yes one more thing. Yes. is in Port Gamble, Washington, is the Port Gamble Ghost Conference. They, they have it the last oh. weekend every year. Cool. This is like about the fifth or sixth year that they've done it. Uh-huh. And it's uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And if you're in the area, it's they, they do a nice job with it. And nice. Port Gamble is the most haunted little town. The whole town is haunted. And it's very historical. And it's, it's really cute, yeah. There you go. I think you should just go investigate the whole town like they did on the Ghost of Shepherdstown. They do that. uh, Do they really? That's cool. Yeah, and they do ghost walks and stuff. I mean, people live there, though. So, you know, you can't exactly, like, go knock on somebody's door and say, Push them out of the house. Hey, get out of the house now. We're going to investigate your home. So so there's a place. There's a house there. It's called the Walker Ames House. Mm -hmm. And that one, it's a big mansion. Mm-hmm. And um, nobody lives there. And so they do open that up for investigations from time to time. It's very active. Mm-hmm. And um, the museum is haunted. And the, the former morgue is haunted. And the theater where they're holding this event is really haunted. I've had some really interesting stuff happen in that theater when I've been investigating it. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's that time of the year, too. So I know and it's not your favorite time, but it's my favorite time of the year. Right. Well, I I don't hate it. No, no, I know. I know. I know. I'm just saying this is my favorite time because I'm not really a Christmas person. So not a Christmas person. So this is my time. No, not really. So, but anyways, um, well, Cheryl and Karen, I do have some lovely news for this evening. Could we roll that? Just when you thought the world couldn't get any weirder. It's time for news of the strange and the all righty, here we go. First one, Oregon Hospital Quarantine After Unexplained Mass Hallucinations. This comes from MysteriousUniverse.org. So it's right out there in Oregon. All right, so news outlet Oregon Live has reported that a hospital in, I think it's Coos Bay, you say it correct? Coos Bay. Coos Bay, Oregon, was placed under quarantine after an unexplained outbreak of mysterious mass hallucinations. The outbreak was discovered when an emergency personnel came to assist an assisted living caregiver who called 911 earlier in the morning hours of October 12th. The caregiver claimed she had been alarmed after seven or eight people had attempted to tear the roof off her car 
Police arrived, declaring the scene normal and left. Okay, seriously, they called it normal and left. I'm not really confused about that. The next morning, the caregiver once again called police, this time claiming the exact same thing was happening. At this point, police began to suspect the woman might be psychotic and sent two deputies to escort her to a mental health professional. That's when things got weird. The deputies reported that shortly after arriving, they began to feel strange sensations of euphoria and became lightheaded. An elderly woman in the care of the seemingly crazed caregiver then began speaking nonsense and acting erratically. Luckily, the deputies realized something was afoot and was able to gain enough composure to call for backup. A hazmat team was dispatched to the house and all four stricken individuals were taken to the separately nearby hospital. The hospital ward treating the four victims was placed under quarantine until a cause for the mysterious illness was found. The original hypothesis was that hallucinations were caused by fentanyl patches worn by the elderly women since all four victims had close contact with the patches. Fentanyl is a powerful opiate narcotic. Yes, it is. Confusing, <laughs> dizziness, nervousness, hallucinations, oh, anxiety. Yada, yada, crazy yada. hallucinations, yes. Yeah. This says it was concluded by the, uh, to be the cause of the legendary music uh, musician Prince's death in 2016, too. Truth. Due to its rapid onset and similar effects, the fentanyl patches were an obvious cause for the mass hallucinations. However, all the patches were accounted for in the resulting investigation, and Coos County Sheriff's Office spokesperson, spokesperson Patrick Downing reported that the police have ruled out the drug as the cause of the unexplained mass hallucinations. Investigation has found that all those patches and potential medications that may have caused the symptoms have been, you know, like I said, they were all kind of for. So no source of contamination has been found. The vehicles, equipment, and uniforms have been checked with no contaminants identified or located on or about them. Could this mass illness be related to this month's supermoon, which is believed to have strange, unexplained effects on people Lunacy. and animals? Mm. Some mm. sources have speculated this might be just another case of, let's see if I can say this, folet adieu, a mysterious phenomenon in which hallucinations or delusions can be transmitted from person to person. As of now, though, police are still investigating the case, leaving the cause of this strange outbreak still a mystery. So they thought it was the patches. Not the patches. No one knows what the heck was going on. I just found it's funny because they're like, hey, seven or eight people are trying to tear the roof off this car. And they come over and go, eh, that's normal. And then they leave. Really? How, how is that Well, normal? wait. But it was the lady who thought she saw the eight people trying yeah, to know, take the I roof off the car, car who was hallucinating, right? Uh, yes. So, okay. Correct. So, yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of weird. So, okay. The next one is, and this one's just really quick, but it's kind of sad. Waiter knocks off the thumb of the Roman statue at the British Museum. This is from the Associated Press in London. Yes. If it weren't awful, it would be simply hilarious. A waiter preparing for a corporate event at the British Museum knocked the thumb off a priceless Roman statue. The museum acknowledged the incident on Thursday and said the 2,000-year-old Townley Venus had been completely restored. The art newspaper first reported the incident, which took place in December of last year. The newspaper says a waiter was working too close to the statue, which is on a low pedestal. The thumb on the right hand broke off falling cleanly to the floor beneath the seven-foot statue. The museum says the incident has been taken seriously and individuals responsible for the events have been retrained. The museum did not identify the catering company. So the guy's catering right along, and boop, 2,000 statues, thumb popping right onto the floor. Well, that is a bummer. I would like be if I was that person, I would be so freaked out. It's like I was expecting to say they got refired, or but no, they just got yeah. retrained. You know, it couldn't be any worse than, like, the lady who tried to restore that painting and made it look like a monkey. 
<laughs> yes, I, yes, that is true. Good point, Karen. Um, then the last it could one... <laughs> always be worse, is what I'm telling you. That is very true. So, and the last one I have is this is kind of funny. A woman tries to show her husband lotteries are dumb and wins a million dollars. There you go. HuffingtonPost.com. A North Carolina woman who said she wanted to prove her husband that playing the lottery is a waste of money bought a $10 scratch off and won $1 million. Lucky goes, dog's going to it. She goes, wait, I had to wait, taken lady. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. She said, I had to eat my words. Glenda Blackwell said in a release from the state lottery commission, but those are pretty good words to eat. The 57 year old said she purchased the ticket Saturday after her husband asked her to pick up two Powerball tickets. She instead grabbed the Carolina million scratch off for herself. I wanted to show home that luck doesn't always hit. She said, didn't quite work out that way. When I scratched the two, there were one million winner under the two. Blackwell said she was in total disbelief until she handed the blown up check bearing the seven figures on Monday. Uh, Glenda Blackwell says she plans to buy her own home and land with her big win. We've struggled a lot, so now we can buy our own home and our own land. It's pay, it'll be paid for, and I don't have to worry about that anymore. So that's what I plan to do with some of the money. And the other part, I'm going to plan to help my daughter and her two granddaughters to college. Blackwell chose the lump sum of $415,503 instead of receiving 20 annual payments. She sure showed him, didn't she? She did. Mm-hmm. And that's really the, the news that I have for this week. Um, I just... I just really fell for the guy with the thumb, though. You did point out that it always could be worse, but yes, I did. I did feel for the man and the thumb. Yeah, you know, that would happen to me. Yeah, probably. Probably. I am one of the least graceful people on the planet and (laughs) am often, as you know, a hot mess. And um, yeah, that had happened to me. Well, you know, and then this, I think that's funny. It's like, I'd be like, I don't care if I was trying to prove her point. I just won a million dollars. Who cares? So I'm assuming they take well, the... Well, she won 415 because she chose the lump sum. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, um, why do they... Is it lump sum versus the payments just because it's more yes. tax involved? Yes. Okay. No, you still have to pay tax on it. I was going to say, yeah. So why but do they... No, because the payments are spread out over a certain period. And so she probably... Old, I mean, she's 57. So she probably would never get it all. Um so it's, I mean, that's really common that, that people have the choice of the lump sum, which is about half of if they take the payment. Gotcha. I would take the payments because I would do the steady income. I like the steady income. Yeah, I'd probably be the same way. So, yeah. and then um, I guess tonight we have two, we have two correspondents tonight. Yes. We have Maria, Maria Vandriel coming live from Frankenstein's castle. That's just too cool. That's right so now. cool. Yes. And then we have Crystal Vermis and Manny Vega hosts of all day paranormal podcast and all day paranormal after dark, the YouTube show. They got two segments tonight. Uh, one's a story, um, recent rise and exorcisms. The other story is on politically political prophecy involving demons. That's kind of interesting. So we have two of those. So it's going to be a, a double whammy. And then we got the guests. We have. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to try not to be a fanboy tonight. You know, you're going to. No, have to I actually plan to sit back and just let you fanboy. Oh my god. They're I do because think... you know you people listening may have noticed that I have a deep sexy phlegm voice today. <laughs> I have a, a little bit there's, of a cold. Well, there's nothing and, wrong with. And so here's there's... what's really. We, yes. You know, want to know what's bumming me out about having a cold in me, other than that I don't feel well. What? Um, the next 
generation of the Risland family, which is my nuclear family, was born yesterday. And okay. I don't get to go see him because I have a cold. My nephew had a baby. My nephew's oh. had a baby. And I, I don't get to go hang out with him until I'm healthy. And I love baby. Yeah, they, they, uh, you don't want to get the baby sick. No, I would feel bad if, I mean, that would be worse than a statue's thumb falling off. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> oh, so yeah, so, um, I'm, I am, I'm, I'm just, you know, I mean, I, 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 I know you're an excited fanboy. That's very... well, we're talking about the black monk house, which is, I think is just cool anyways. And then you just, you know, icing on the cake with Nick Roth and Katrina Weedman because they're Ghost Adventures, Paranormal yeah. State. I mean, come on, seriously? Seriously, man, good stuff's happening tonight. And oh, we yeah. have actually Cheryl's. Cheryl's been Cheryl's been uh, doing her job. Well, Cheryl, thank you. Well, look at that. She's been lining up lately because you know we, we had Stanton Friedman and um, I can't I ever remember her name. She was Kathleen lovely. Martin. Kathleen, and she was. I mean, she was just as impressive as he was. Um, I just remember his name because I've talked to him so many times. But and now we have Nick and Katrina, and then we have um, the the psychic guy, uh, Chris. Oh, who are you talking who? about? Who are you talking about? Who are you about? talking about? What, what are you talking about? With this? Are you talking about Chris Fleming? <laughs> that's what she's talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, Chris. Oh, that's November seventeenth. That show will mm-hmm. air then. Yeah, cool. we have. Yes. Yeah, like him. he's cool. He's so very laid have- back. He's cool. I mean, we have like we just have super cool, fun things coming up, and mm-hmm. so Cheryl, you're doing your job well. Thank you so much. It's That's fun, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Cheryl. Good job. Way to go. Woo-hoo. My shirt's on inside out. Uh, I'm, I'm... Oh my gosh, Karen! <laughs> Again? Eh, story of my oh, darn life. People could just see the Skype right now. She's got her shirt on backwards again. On inside. Well, I wait, put my no, pants on. I don't know. It looks yeah, fine okay. here. It's fine because look at the other side has like a weird knit, so I would know. Yay! It's not on inside out. All right, we take it back. Take, <laughs> it. take it back. All right, we're good. Yes. So, yes. We, so we have good guests. We have good correspondence. We have Halloween coming up, which is my favorite. Oh, I also <laughs> uh, earlier this week, huh? one of our friends had a birthday. Uh yeah, Mr. Uh, uh Verberger, BJ Verberg. It was his birthday. Happy birthday, Jay. Yes, it was. Very cool. That was very exciting. Do you know so how old he, he is? Do you, do you know? I don't know. Yeah, he is. turned forty-five. Here's what's really funny. So he claimed he's okay. been telling me for the last year he's forty-five. But I, uh, I just saw his his ex-wife Kate, mm-hmm. and she said no, he doesn't know his age. He's forty-four. He's turning forty-five. <laughs> so. <laughs> I tend to believe her. <laughs> there was a correction of his birthday by somebody else. Gotcha. That's right. So oh, I right. tend to believe her. Well, he's still kind of young then. I mean, he's only 45, so, you know. Well, you know, compared compared to who? I, I don't know. <laughs> somebody, maybe. <laughs> I, I'm assuming you mean you because, uh, you know, yeah, I'm yeah, only you, a few years older I than I know. Him. You're young. Yeah. You're still young, too. Yes. I'm no, talking I about turned, me. turned 51 in December. Well, look at that. Well, you're close to me then. I'm only 56, so you're close. Yep. Oh, Cheryl, Cheryl's, Cheryl's texting us. We have to go to break early. So, yes, um, because 
we are boring and Chuck wants <laughs> to fanboy. I don't think that's it, but and yeah, yeah. all of these other things. So we're gonna go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking to Nick and Katrina from Paranormal Lockdown. Stick around, you're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark here on MixLR. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today. Hey, great t-shirt. I've heard of that place. It's really supposed to be haunted. You wear such cool t-shirts. You must have been, what, to every haunted spot in the country? Well, not really. I'm a member of HauntedShirtClub.com. I get a great t-shirt from a different haunted place every month, along with an info card with photos and stories and more. I can hardly wait to open it every month. Wow, I have to check that out. HauntedShirtClub.com, right? Yep, that's it. Hey, are you looking for a new paranormal podcast? Check out All Day Paranormal with me, Crystal Vermis. And me, Manny Vega. We come to you every week with the latest in supernatural news and entertainment. That's right, and you can find out more by going to GetSpooked.net. And don't forget to check out our YouTube show by going to GetSpooked.net slash YouTube. A global secret society, what imprisons your overall freedom, dismissed as a conspiracy. Mind-controlling technology, dismissed as science fiction. Evolutions in primal energies, ghostly apparitions, UFO and extraterrestrial life forms, dismissed as a fantasy. Three books, written by Maria Anna van Driel, telling you everything what can be known by revealing the truth of the most unbelievable actions governments have made in the last eight decades in mind and behavior control. Hey everyone, this is Winter Balefire. If you share in my love for the macabre and bizarre, please check out my website, winterbalefire.com. There you'll find some of my dark poetry, short stories, and blogs on the paranormal and occult. I'm also active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the name Winter Balefire. Thanks. Hope to see you guys soon. The traditional light bulb, a groundbreaking invention in 1879. It's time we switch to longer-lasting Energy Star light bulbs. They're more efficient than the old bulbs, like a text message is more efficient than a carrier pigeon. And they cut down on our energy costs. Because in our own groundbreaking age, we deserve a light bulb that saves us some cash. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. 
So you're looking for the best in paranormal radio. Well, you've just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we'll, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. Right here on MixLR. See how I did it again, Karen? You're doing really well. I, it's, 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 you're trying something new and I'm kind of digging some- it. Kind of digging it. Well, you know, I, I kind of did. I, you know, I just thought maybe it was like my cold medicine or something, and I was hallucinating. <laughs> but you've done it twice now, like the people at yeah. the space. I'm gonna change it up. They always hear me say the same thing, so it's like blah blah blah. That, you start starting doing that peanuts thing, you know, where the teachers they just make that noise oh, and you know, oh, yeah. Oh, yep. So, but right now we have our guests on the line. We have Nick Groff and Katrina Weedman. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks Thank you guys for having us. Thanks for coming on. And yeah, you guys. You. Be you guys been boy. having a, a busy, busy day. It sounds like, huh? How many, oh, how yeah. many interviews did you say you've had up until now today? Oh my god, I think about I think twenty. I Six, yeah, there's like 20? something like twenty. It's okay, crazy. And, and excuse me, on air, I want you to tell what you said when I said, "Well, we're on the bottom of the barrel." What did you say, Nick? <laughs> the best is for last. Yeah, That's there it. you go. You're, you hear that? You're, you're <laughs> our last one for today. <laughs> See, but you know, there's there's something to be said about this day and age because now instead of doing press junkets you can just sit in the comfort of your own home right yeah yeah you, it's you a can. little it's a little nicer <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah instead of running around and everything all right so let's <laughs> let, let's start here i mean every, every, people know who you are so um but i do want to ask a couple things from way back like for instance uh before we get into the this, this show and all the other things i read that um Nick, for you, you had a near-death experience as a child, which I didn't know anything about. Um, yeah. Can, can you kind of talk about that and why that kind of drew you into the paranormal? Because I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah, it's interesting. You go through life and you think about these things and you kind of recount, you know, why we were led on this path. When I was about eight years old, I was waiting for my sister to get out from swimming at this YMCA boys club. Mm-hmm. And my mom was watching me, and I was a very hyperactive kid. So basically, don't take your eyes off me. <laughs> and my mom was reading her book, and she was about 100 yards away, and I kept kind of walking away from her further and further. There was this tree in the distance that I had to climb. Okay. And for some reason, I decided to climb it, and I got to the, you know, kind of a little bit up it. And I basically reached out to a branch, and I was like, oh, i got to swing from this branch. And I did that, and the branch broke. I fell. I hit a cyclone fence that was right underneath it, and it shredded and ripped open my whole entire left arm right to the bone. And I remember hitting the ground, and my body obviously went in shock, so I didn't know what happened. Right. And I remember standing up and just starting to take a step to my mom way in the distance and just saying, Mom, I love you. And then I collapsed on the ground, and I blacked out. And I saw her kind of leap up off the thing when she saw me. Mm -hmm. And I guess... You know, she she used to be a nurse, so she kind of like, it's like that motherly, you know, lift the car to save your child underneath it. And that's kind of what she did. She lifted me up and tied her shirt around my arm to um, stop the bleeding. I was a half an inch, the doctor said, uh, from hitting my artery, which basically I could have died if my mom didn't save my life and quit thinking. And wow. um, I remember um, blacking out at that moment and just seeing all these faces hovered around me. 
and looking down at me. And I don't know if that's kind of that state, you know, you go in when you're shocked. I, I just, re- I'll never forget the each moment of what happened. Mm-hmm. And that moment, it was like skating on thin ice. And I don't know if that got me closer to the other side. I don't know if that was like, here's your second chance in life. Stop being so hyper and stupid and swinging from trees and rocks and whatnot. <laughs> and, and that kind of, you know, that's what I think back on is, here I am 36 now and I'm thinking back like all these things that happened in my life led me to this point. And that fascination in the paranormal field, when I talked to my grandmother, when I was little, it just kind of, it interests me. It intrigued me. And I don't know. I was like that weird kid. I'd sit in my room when I was 13 and I, I'd, I'd be mapping out how to get to area 51. I'd be <laughs> listening to our bell, you know, on my little boom box. I yeah. was talking about things, paranormal, extraterrestrials, ghosts, everything. And it was just one of those fascinations. It was the adventure of it. And that's why I'm doing what I love to do since I was a kid and still now. Well, yeah, cool. I was yeah. that kid too, Nick. Yeah, me I too. I was going to say, I was that weird dude. It's like, why is that guy always into reading books about Bigfoot and whatever? You know, it's like, well, you know. Yeah. So, so, so Katrina, how did you, I mean, what, what was your stepping stone into the paranormal? What got you involved? Yeah, it was, um, I grew up in haunted houses. So um, I always had experiences and just always, you know, my mom's side of the family was very open to it. Um, my grandmother lived in haunted houses and we always heard stories about that. And, um, so, you know, by the time I could read, I was always, you know, they would have like the those, those book orders that you would do through school, you know, and I would always get a book on, you know, ghosts and aliens and, you know, I was always reading about that stuff. And I was, I was the weird kid too, in that sense, you know, and I was always, you know, I would have those slumber parties and, um, you know, I'd have at least two friends go home crying because, I would, you know, scare them with ghost stories or make them play the Ouija board with me and everything. So, um, you know, and as I got older, I just kept having experiences and, you know, like dreams that would come true, things like that. Um, and it just was always a fascination of mine. And then I, when I went to school, to college, they had a club and that's, you know, kind of the rest of history. That's how I started Paranormal State and mm-hmm. it, it took off from there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you're both, well, you, you know, of course, you're both with television. We had Ghost Adventures for Nick, and we have Paranormal State for you guys, which I've watched both. Um, and you even did, uh, what was it, uh, Chiller's Real Fear? Um, Real Fear, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember watching that, too. That was really cool. I And by, by the way, yeah, I really love it. Yeah, that was fun loved, to work on. Yeah, it was really cool. And I love the documentary, too, of Ghost Adventures, Nick, the original one with Thank the you. apparition. Yeah, that was, the my, that was my first was, baby. Yeah, God. that my was first your, baby. Was I, I loved every second of it. Yeah, yeah I appreciate awesome. it. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was it, it was fun. I mean, I remember just like the thrill of I, I, I was at a point in my life and um, my now wife, Veronica, when we were in college at UNLV, I was like, we took a little field trip way before even the documentary. And we went up to Virginia City, her and I, and it was my passion. We got to go try to get as close to Area 51 and Rachel, go up to Tonopah, go to all the haunted mining towns. And that's what we did during our um, one year when we were out of some of our classes. And I discovered Virginia City, Nevada. And I remember having a little kind of VHS tape camera uh, camcorder that I had my parents ship me to college so I could use it with those little um, um, kind of tape recorders or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember her and I sitting outside um, at the Miss Paul Hotel. And we're actually sitting there and nobody's around. It's in the middle of the night. And we're spending the night, we're just staring at the misfire because we heard stories about it. And suddenly we see this huge anomaly inside the rooms of a hotel on like the eighth floor or whatever it was. Okay. And I have it on video 
And I zoom in. I'm like, what the heck is that thing inside? This is abandoned hotel, you know? And I'm looking around on the streets in the darkness of the desert in this small, quaint town, and and there's nobody around. I'm looking for headlights, anything that could be causing this. And it's a bluish kind of morphed kind of ball of what looks to be like some sort of light that's hovering inside one of the rooms, and it's moving from one room to the next, and I'm videotaping it on camera, and I thought it was absolutely amazing, and that was kind of like my first, like, fun, you know, like, oh, my God, we're kind of like ghost hunting, kind of. <laughs> so, <laughs> from, from there, you know, I'm very logical, so I'm always trying to, like, figure things out in my head and rationalize it, and um, the, that kind of intrigue, like, that whole town and that whole journey intrigued, like, I need to get some buddies and go and shoot a documentary and try to figure things out. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you did a really good job because that was like the coolest thing I'd seen in a long time. I was like watching it going, this has got to be real. You know what I mean? And I'm watching it and I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. You know? Um, well, it was uh, so refreshing compared to what was out there. Um, right. Yeah. You know, and time. yeah. yeah. And, and I, a lot of people have copied it and, um, <laughs> And not not with varying degrees of success, but when I say that was your best work, what I mean is as far as uh, ghost adventures, I I think that's the best thing you guys did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was a different time. You know, two thousand started that in two thousand four, right after I got married. So it was like two thousand five, and that was after like all that stuff um, that I was just talking about. Mm-hmm. And it was so cool because it was just like just film everything had no clue wasn't looking to shoot a tv show wasn't looking to shoot a documentary or a film or anything it was just like let me grab my camera that i know how to hit the record button you know i went Mm -hmm. to school to learn how to videotape stuff (laughs) so i was just so fascinated about the paranormal the history the the kind of mysterious elements of each town and what it held and the death and where does, where does that energy go? You know, I was so intrigued by it and it was just like a fun journey. It was my first baby, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and paranormal state too. That's a, that, I love that show too. I thought that was very, uh, they took it serious, you know, it, it was, was something different again mm-hmm. though. Yeah, it's, it was. You know, it, yeah. because everybody does the same thing. And so when there's something different, it's, it captures people's attention. Yeah. It was very refreshing. I yeah. Agree. It was fun. So, you know, I just recently watched um, old episodes of it and uh, I watched the first season and I was like, you know, that, that looks like such a fun group of people to hang out with. <laughs> it was like, oh, like, it makes me miss college. It yeah. really did. It made me like very nostalgic for college. And that's just because those were my college years basically on camera. But it was, you know, you see a bunch of friends out ghost hunting together and, you know, but they, you know, they're taking it seriously, like you guys said. And, um, um, it was different at the time, you know, we were more focused on it, it, like not really so much documenting the paranormal. I mean, we were focused on that, but it was right. more about helping the people that needed help. Correct. We didn't right. understand what was going on. Yeah, correct. And right. I think that was a refreshing part of the, the show. I thought that was really cool. There was a different angle at that yeah. time. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. so now we get to paranormal lockdown, but I just had to make a, a really quick, uh, a thing to say about the ghosts of Shepherdstown, which I just absolutely Adore. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I adore I seen that, that show. That show was so unique and smart and well put together. I just have to say that. I just wanted to, to pitch that out oh, there. Oh, cool. Too. Yeah. No, um, thank it, you. It, it was, was cool. that that was so interesting how that whole thing that just everything came together because honestly, I, I've been working on Paramount Lockdown for a long time now, and mm-hmm. they the, the police and the network literally called me and it was like, "We need your help." 
And I'm like, well, what is it about? I'm so picky, honestly, yeah. about things. It's <laughs> reputation and everything. Because I don't oh, yeah. know. Like, I, I've, I've always been, like, at the part where I like to document and have everything within our production and analyze my own evidence and all that stuff. Okay. So I was like, I had, to be, I had to be, like, really cautious. I, I was asking about what's going to happen. Like, what are we doing? What, it, what is going on? And it's the whole town. And the, when the police were involved, I was like, oh, okay. That's actually what intrigued me. Mm-hmm. It's having the police officers involved, and you know they brought me in. And I became really cool with the, um, Sergeant King. He's an awesome guy. Still text messages me, and we still talk about things that are happening there. I just talked to him like two nights ago. Oh, did you? And he was telling me he was telling me all sorts of stuff that's still going on there. He's like, dude, it's so still active. I'm like, <laughs> and this is a police officer. You know, it's so funny, like hearing these guys talk about the paranormal because they're taught they're taught to um, talk about the reality of things happening in the moments, like burglars and whatnot. Oh yeah. So yeah. That, and I was, thought that it was cool. Yeah. I thought that was interesting that they would actually come out, you know, especially on camera and be saying, Hey, we need help from paranormal investigators. Cause that's usually not the, the thing, the norm with them. You know what I mean? It's like, keep yeah. it down, keep it real. You know what I mean? So I, I totally agree. So with the show paranormal lockdown, when I first saw it was coming out and I saw it was you and it was Katrina, I was like, Oh, this is just too cool. Two people that I wouldn't think I would not see together, you know? Um, so how did that, yeah. how, how did that come about? Cause I mean, that really was, I, that really intrigued me to say, okay, now I got to watch this. You know what I mean? So how did that come about? Yeah. You guys connecting? <laughs> Katrina cold called me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Katrina. Actually, it's funny. And I, I, I bust, I bust Nick all the time for this because he cold called me. Actually, he emailed me and then he cold called me and we got uh-huh. on the phone and we talked about everything and like, uh, just about like a lot of random things like about our lives and what kind of music we liked and that kind of stuff. And, um, we both really felt like we were like long lost brother and sister. So we're like, totally makes sense for us to do this together. Um, but <laughs> I didn't necessarily know what I was signing up for at first. So our very first conversation, he's like, you know, well, we're confined to, you know, the property for 72 hours, but I mean, you can leave. (laughs) And like, if there's like research to do and stuff like that, you can go, but I have to stay there. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that doesn't sound too bad. And then then as we got like closer and closer and closer, Uh it's like a little bit more information that was like, well, I mean, we stay there, you know. And I'm like, huh? And then, like, so even, like, the first day of filming, I still wasn't really sure what was going on. So. <laughs> so, so, so. I don't recount that like, conversation. So you're no, like, sure. wait, no, wait. So you're, so yeah, you're telling her, you can kind of leave and kind of not. And then as you got closer, you're like, well, you know what? You got to You can't leave. You can't leave. Well, it, I mean, it, it started, I was telling her, it started with, like, it started with, like, an isolation type of idea of, you know, all these years for Katrina and both myself, we've gone to locations where we've either stayed the whole entire night or, you know, only been there for two days or whatever. And then we left and it's like, what happens if we live there for an extensive amount of time that we can fully conquer? You know, we walk away with eight terabytes of footage when we leave a location for 24 hours. So it's crazy. Um, but it's funny because I was like, well, it's better if we both live in a location because we'll be able to conquer more, especially <laughs> like places like Trans-Allegheny. If you're sleeping on right. one side of the building and I'm sleeping on the other, then we're just living there, you and I, you know? Like, yeah. just, just just a happy, cool couple living in a hot location. <laughs> Nothing weird about it. Well, Nothing so, weird about so it. What changes about 
a, a place when you actually are there for 72 hours as opposed to, you know, just doing an overnight in a place. How is it different? Oh, gosh, everything. I mean, here's the thing. I, I often look back and think, oh, my gosh, like, look how much we would have missed if we had only been here for one night or if we were here and then we went back to a hotel room, you know, um, because the longer you're there, you're upping the probability for something to happen, you know, because as, as you guys know, too, you sometimes you get lucky where, you know, you interact with these things and they kind of go on your command, um, but that's not always the case. And right. three are really, really active. Night one, you usually kind of slow, you know, maybe a couple of things, but not that much. So you got to think, you know, well, what, even what happens after night three? And that's what... Did we lose them? Oh, I'm here. Oh, <laughs> just got I think weird. We here. Lost, I think we lost yeah. Katrina. Oh, yeah. no. Just got weird. I thought oh. I just became a ghost. Nick, I was like, uh... Nick, did you cut her off? Did you just bump her off there? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It was like, it's like this is my... I don't know what happened. Yeah, I don't know. Let I'll me try and add her, her back. back. I think her cell... We, her so anyways... So, oh, have yeah, you considered yeah, staying normal. longer then? Because if three days is good... Yeah, no, it's 72 hours. like I mean, a week or something. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we do with the special. So the Halloween special oh, that's there on TLC, yeah. the Black Monk House, mm-hmm. we actually stay there, confine ourselves for 100 hours, but we lock ourselves in. Hey, guys. Oh, there you are. Hey. Oh, oh it's so hey, weird. I don't know what happened. I would expect, I would expect no less with this. Yeah, Nick was just mentioning that you guys are... Um, a hundred hours in this in this place. Huh? Hundred hours, and that's crazy. Yeah, yeah so it's, and that's why. Like, pretty wild. Oh, go ahead, Nick. No, no, no. You you go. Continue the sentence you were saying because I was just trying to. I was trying <laughs> so to continue was, your sentence. You know, I was saying. <laughs> it was you know that's what was so fascinating about the Halloween special because we were there for a hundred hours, and um, we I mean the things we experienced there were just I mean they were things that. I've never had happened to me before. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was physically attacked there, and it, it just, I mean, totally rocked my entire foundation. Um, because, you know, when you have something that affects your body that way, and you can't see it, and there's no logical explanation for it, you know, what, what do you do with that? Um, and, you know, if we were only there one night, we, we wouldn't have had those experiences. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's the growing familiarity with you then that, causes it and then from that that would make me think if it's because the spirits there are growing familiar with you that would explain why people sometimes you know like move into a house and things don't go wrong for a while yeah i mean it's like it's like 30 east drive the black monk house that's exactly what happened to the pritchard's family when they moved in in 1966 they started to have um weird things happening to them like knocks on the walls, certain things materializing out of thin air, just weird things like that that they became to um, call the ghost Fred. So they actually labeled the ghost a name. Yep. And then it escalated over time, and it kind of went away for a little bit. Then it came back with full force and dragged um, the daughter up the staircase by the throat and was strangling her is what the claim is. And that has been known as the most violent poltergeist in the history of Europe, this location. But there's so much mysterious. I mean, this location is so different, I think, than other locations. Like, you know, some of the locations we've gone to where, you know, you know the death records, you know the history of the location, who haunts probably this 
these places, but Third East Drive, this house sits on land that has been soaked in bloodshed. So you have one of the biggest battles that took place in Yorkshire. It's the Civil War um, where thousands of men, you know, died right there. You have the gallows close by. You have kings that were executed. You have a legend of a monk who was hung for murdering a little child. And you have all this, like, kind of just dark, just cloud over this location that these low-income housing projects get built up on top of this land now. It's all this energy built up. And now I think something more sinister has been created that's inside this location that people think is the Black Monk. Mm-hmm. And that's what they've seen. Yeah, well, there's some picture out, I think, I don't know how long it's been out, but of like an arm, looks like with a robe, you know, holding a rosary, you know, um, that seems to be going around of, and they're saying that's the Black Monk or whatever. But um, how, how did you, how did you go about, did the location pick you or did you pick the location? Let's put it that way. Yeah, this it's location definitely, definitely I, picked us. Mm-hmm. Really? Okay. So you, go, you, ahead, you, go ahead, Katrina. What, what do you mean, what oh, do you mean no, by that? no, I was just going to say, you know, we were, well, there were, you know, it kind of, it's funny because the very first episode we filmed for lockdown was the Hinsdale house. Mm-hmm. And I think we didn't realize what we would be up against there. You know, we kind of went in thinking it would be one thing and it turned out to be something very different. And ever since then, you know, Nick and I have both experienced things at our houses. And it kind of seems like everything from that point on has been, you know, almost, it's been like little breadcrumbs leading us to the Black Monk House. Because originally we weren't supposed to do the Black Monk House. We were looking at a bunch of other locations. Oh. and But it kept coming back to the Black Monk House. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and kind of how these negative things work is that they do draw you and they do lead you to certain places. I've been on a case before and, you know, you get called to another case um, that you've done in the past. And it's, it's like it has nothing to do with the first case. It was all about the second case that you work on. And it, it's really, really weird how it's, it's all kind of connected that way. And I, if you think about it, I mean, if we're thinking about these entities that they're not really part of a world, maybe they're part of a different world. Mm-hmm. then maybe time and space doesn't matter to them. Okay. Well, let's get into that. Let's, let's talk a little about that as far as, you know, what I, each, each one of us wants to go first, but what is your thought process on what spirits are? And also, do we believe there are demons like non-human entities? I mean, what are your, what are your personal views on that? Yeah, I think, you know, the thing that we're dealing with, we're trying to discover something new in the paranormal field, and that's why we're really on this quest. And these things kind of guided us in our journey to these locations, especially 30 East Drive, the Hinsdale House, and other locations in our past. And it almost has like this telepathic draw for some certain reasons that it knows us individually. And the more and more we do this, it tries to get to us. And we started realizing after time that putting these puzzle pieces together things started following us home ever since the Hinsdale house. And this all kind of started a year ago Mm -hmm. where now my house is really active. I'm having crazy things and experiences at my own home, which I I live in a new home. I I don't understand the reason behind this, but my wife and I, I mean, we've been woken up in the middle of the night where you can hear someone walking through a kitchen to the point where it sounds like someone broke into our house. And I go through my security cameras and I'm looking for whatever this entity or whoever this could be. Mm-hmm. And come to find out that we're capturing some weird transparent apparition that's white that's floating in my basement on my camera. And, you know, this is the type of stuff you're going to see in this special 
coming out the Black Monk House that we, for the first time ever, we opened up a lot of our own home footage, a lot of stuff that we've been documenting um, from our own personal lives. And I've never done that before. And I think what we're dealing with that led us to 30 East Drive through evidence I was collecting on my house basically was directing us to there for a certain reason. And I think that we're not necessarily dealing with something that is of spirit, you know, like once a human now passed on, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it goes back to what I was talking about from the history of the land of the Hinsdale house, 30 East drive. They have similarities in history on the land. So 30 East drive has much darker past in the, and soaked in battles and whatnot. You know, Hinsdale has a past of native American burial grounds, possibly on that area that we know of a war that took place very close by and other elements that have happened in the past. And it's weird because it almost it almost builds up a new kind of energy. It's not just one energy form from a person. It's multiple energies that are linked that that kind of combined into something a little bit more sinister. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what is harvesting possibly at Thirty East Drive, along with some other probably spirit entities that come and go. Mm-hmm. And I think we're dealing with. You know, when we dive into the word that we label as demonic sometimes, I think that word is just like the word ghost, where we define things as human beings, you know, where we can base it off of religion or base it off of stuff that can we, we can simplify it. Mm-hmm. But I think with what we're dealing with, it's something bigger, almost like in the, it works in this spiritual highway, like Katrina was talking about, where it kind of interconnects everything, where there is no time on that side, just like in our reality, we're passing every second that we're talking right now. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we always are focused on time, you know, time is ticking down to our last breath. And that, that's, what's interesting to me is how can these things in this other realm um, that we don't fully understand yet? And what, what are we talking with? And I think that's the frightening thing is because we know what our bodies are feeling when we're at these locations, when it's negative in nature, we know what we're capturing on the cameras or we're documenting through voices or audible sound and, or, or being touched or attacked. So what is this thing? And I think it's a combination of multiple things that's built up over time. So what is your sense or do you even have a sense of what your role is in all of this or why you two have been sort of drawn into this? Um, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's different for everybody why they why they're into this work, but for the most part, I think most investigators I've met throughout the world say, you know, it chose them. They didn't necessarily right. choose it; it chose them. Right, and, and that's what I, I'm I asking: is why? Why are you yeah. chosen? <laughs> you know, I you know I don't know. It's we both had experiences when we grew up. Um, you know, we've both been involved in this, and like certain circumstances led us to work together. Um, I'm a big believer right. that. I think major things in your life happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I've certainly seen that in my own life. And, you know, it's really interesting because since Nick and I have been working together, we've been getting some of the best evidence both of us have had in our careers. Um, and, you know, sometimes when certain people are together, they it's like, I don't know if these things feed off of their energy or they're just putting out the right amount of energy. Um, but we've been, ever since we've been working together, we've been getting really amazing evidence. And, you know, to to say like why were we chosen? I have, I have no idea. To be completely honest with you, no clue. Um, that's probably an answer I I want to have until you know I I go to the other side. Um, right. But 
you know, I, we, I think we both definitely feel that we were, you know, meant to work together on this project. Gotcha. It sounds like it. It definitely sounds like it. Okay, well, now I have to ask you the question that I told you before. Oh, you here it comes. Came on and, here it comes. Uh, it, showers. You guys are locked into <laughs> places for three days. And some of these places do not look like they have running water or at least warm water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of them work. don't. Um, I, <laughs> I bring, I'm like armed with baby wipes and facial mm-hmm. wipes all the time. <laughs> Um, I have like, literally there was one, um, there was one location we did for season two where they had no running water whatsoever. So I was outside with a water bottle washing my face. Um, you know, and, uh, sometimes we get lucky. We just had a location that did have a shower and I was able to shower. Like the best thing in the world. And it was a dirty shower. It was so gross, but it's like, you know, uh, (laughs) right. Exactly. Yeah, I just don't shower. I just say, I say, forget it. It's the worst camping trip ever. I'm going to accept it. And I'm just going to brush my teeth before I leave and shower three times before I go into the location and, you know, wear the same clothes and just kind of get rugged with it and just, you know, yeah. accept it. And it's, yeah. it's horrible. Um, our, our skin rashes up a lot. Like, we'll be yeah. laying in spots where we'll feel like, you know, like dust mites. Everybody has dust mites. So it's mm-hmm. like your skin crawls. You get itchy, yep. the dust in the area, your throat starts hurting, your your nose claws up. I mean, it's it's horrible. Physically, it's a wear and tear on your body. body. Mentally, it, you start losing your mind, and then there's the paranormal elements that kind of fall into place there, too, that occur. So yeah. it, it's tough. It's rough, but we love it, you know? Yeah. Well, you, <laughs> you have to, don't you? So oh, do, yeah. you guys have a, do you guys have a crew that's locked in with you as well? Just Katrina, Rob, and myself for the 30 East That's Drive, it. the special. It's just us three. And um, for the first time, we convinced Rob to go in with us and not leave. <laughs> so. Oh, because he usually <laughs> leaves and leaves us. you guys asleep, right? He usually what, does. What we, we're always trying yeah, to find ways to get him to stay. <laughs> so, yeah, like, on usually. the last investigation, we were like, what were we doing, Nick? I was like, if you want me to leave the room right now, make a loud noise and nothing happened. I'm like, okay. And then Nick's like, if you want me to leave the room, make a loud noise, and nothing happened. And then we're like, if you want Rob to stay here overnight, <laughs> make a really loud noise. And Rob's yeah. like, please, guys. Yeah, he's shaking his head. He's shaking his head back <laughs> Yeah, I bet. How much oh, yeah, sleep for... do you guys actually get? Yeah, I really. can't imagine much. Oh, my much. God, that's a good question. Because not, not I, I watch you, and I think, I think I couldn't sleep there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not a lot. We actually did this experiment. So at 30 East Drive, the special, we we, we don't include it because we didn't have enough time in two hours, but we have so much footage. But you'll see us wearing these um these bracelets. They're like these little black bracelets that we're wearing on our wrist. And yes. we monitored our heart rate, our brain patterns, our, our REM sleep throughout the whole entire um, uh, 100 hours. Wow. And it was crazy. I would pull it up on my computer and analyze my sleep pattern because I was really curious. You know, you get to the point where you're like 30 hours in and you want to know, did you sleep? Because you kind of like just black out. It's weird. You'll lay mm-hmm. down and you'll, you can't sleep. You're hearing sounds. Things are happening. You're mm-hmm. consciously like awake, but your eyes are closed and you're on guard. And then suddenly, boom, you, you might drift away and you don't realize if it's an hour, two hours, six hours or whatever. Right. But what I realized when I could actually graph it out and see realistically what happens, 
I had 30 minutes of REM sleep within like, what was it, Katrina, like two days or something straight. Yeah. <laughs> so it was yeah, like it wasn't a whole lot. lot. <laughs> wow. So it was like conscious, consciously sleeping, but then mm-hmm. I must have like actually drifted away for solid 30 minutes of REM sleep because your body has to get sleep. I mean, that's just, you know, a fact. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, and then, uh, and that was one of my questions. It's like, does that factor in when you're doing an investigation, your lack of sleep? You know, I mean, does that factor in what you, what you think you're hearing or the things that you're dealing with? You know, because you know how that can get. So, sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's a really valid point that people make. But this is this is something that I find really interesting. I saw the longer we go, the more evidence we get, and it's not just subjective evidence. Our cameras are picking up stuff. Our equipment are pick, is picking up stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's validating the things that we're feeling or the things that we're hearing, you know? So, you know, I, I, I totally understand when people are like, but you guys are tired. You guys are worn down. Like how <laughs> yeah, right. you're probably hallucinating on stuff. Totally get it. Valid point. Mm-hmm. But our cameras aren't hallucinating. Our cameras aren't tired. You know what I mean? Right, it, exactly. it, our equipment isn't worn down, you know? So yeah. then it, it begs the question, is it, is it when you're more worn down, do you get more things interacting with you? Because then you're kind of almost in a meditative state. At yeah, that as you point. say, yeah, you're more open your at shield, that point. Your yeah. shields are not right. up. Yeah. Right. right. Exactly. Definitely. So, and if you think about it, when people like the Pritchards for the black monk house, when they moved in, I'm sure they didn't think anything of ghosts, but mm-hmm. over time, you know, the stuff kept getting uh, more violent. It kept yeah. wearing them down over time. And they were having more experiences. And that's something that you commonly see with um, families that live in haunted houses. That's the one thing they'll all tell you is that I am so tired. I am so worn down. I am so sick of dealing with this. And that's the time when things really ramp up is when they're at their worst. Right. Well, yeah. There has to be some kind of connection. Mm -hmm. Well, and my other question about that is I know when I get really tired, I I tell my husband my cope breaks. My ability to cope with things just goes Mm -hmm. i i uh when i'm super tired so do you think that um your emotional reactions to things uh amplify the longer you're there and the more tired you are do you get more frightened more easily startled something like that yeah i mean i think sometimes we do like the fear you know anything that dwells on fear it, it builds a negative like nature um at location so I think sometimes that can attribute to um, the environment, the hauntings. We produce energy, like kinetic energy, when we move and stuff. And I think that can actually have a valuable point to um, induce some of the phenomena. And what's interesting is what we're learning is when we're vulnerable and stuff, like it's weird the longer we're at a location. So yes, more things are happening, but sometimes things are happening right away on the first day. Mm-hmm. You know, like when we step into the location, we'll feel noxious and then we'll feel sick and you'll hear footsteps on the staircase when we're only in there for a couple hours and we're well rested and ready to go. And it's like the, the thrill of stepping foot in that place for the first time. Yeah. And then, you know, it will die off for hours. Like one day we were in 30 East Drive and it was so quiet. Remember Katrina? We were sitting around. We were actually yeah. getting bored. We were like, wow, it's yeah. kind of quiet. Like what but is I going actually- on here? What? Yeah, I actually remember thinking, I remember that day, and I remember thinking, maybe everything that people have told us about this place isn't true. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking that, and then, uh, which is always, like, the worst thing to think, because then usually all hell broke right. loose, <laughs> yes. you know, which is what happens, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, there's a question in chat from Bob. He wanted to know, um, do, you, do you get more evidence when you make several visits to the same place versus when you stay at one place for days? 
or is it does it or is it similar? I think it depends like, on the location. It's a case by case basis. Um, I've definitely gone back to locations over the ten years I've been doing this, mm-hmm. and some locations I think they almost remember you. Whatever mm-hmm. is there remembers you, so they might interact sooner. That rather than uh, if you were just going in for the first time and staying, you know, it's almost like, I don't know if like the first day you're there, they're checking you out or you're right. just disrupting the energy and it needs time to settle. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually the first day can be kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like uh, the, the more you go back to a place, I, I've definitely noticed like you, you, it's not as quiet on the first day. Well, yeah, it's also interesting because, like, the Hinsdale house, for instance, uh, uh-huh. season one of Thermal Lockdown, and you'll see it in the special. But we went there one time, and it affected us before you even stepped foot on that property, only at basically at our houses and our dreams and our nightmares. And then we got there, and we had all these experiences happen. And then we left, and then I still talked to the owner, Dan Claris, and he was telling me, like, this is a while later, he's like, he's writing me and saying, hey, man, we have all our equipment set up here and we're getting EVPs from all sorts of different recorders from different mm-hmm. people who mm-hmm. have never been there. And, and on their records, it's saying, where's Nick? <laughs> so, oh, wow. How creepy is that? You know what I mean? Can mm-hmm. a location or something intelligent or something with some sort of energy have that strong of a pull at a location where it can have this conscious thought, this memory or some some way that it works that you know it telepathically can get to us in that mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, that's what's creepy. Well, and another thing too is like you know when you're going to a location, you got you have the backstory, you have all the claims, you have the the you know the creepiness to it, or whatever you want to call it. You know, even as investigators. So, do you? just block that all out when you're going like, especially like the black monk house, can you possibly block out the, the, the thoughts of, you know, all the stuff that happened there, you know, so you can try to walk in there fresh or not have preconceived notions. I mean, isn't it, it's kind of hard, isn't it to do that? I mean, especially it, it, for, it, it is. I mean, we, we always try to go into a location being very logical Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, not everything is paranormal, you know, Correct. and it, and there's a lot of stuff that is just, so unexplainable we we can't understand just yet or we haven't discovered why these things happen so with 30 east drive i think it was different though it wasn't like any other location we went to because it was that personal thing that happened to us at at our own home with the hinsdale and how everything kind of connected together through evidence that we were getting Mm -hmm. and i think you know going there yeah we were shaken up from the get-go because of these things that was making us more vulnerable at our home 3,000 miles away from this location, which is so right. strange to think about, you know, because we didn't understand. We're like, how could this be possible? How can something have an effect on us when it's way over there on the other part of, you know, the world? <laughs> yeah. And these things do. I mean, I think that's the scary part is we go into something we don't fully understand with what we're communicating with and it's affecting us in some way. So we try not to get scared. We try to put our, our emotions aside, but sometimes it's hard to, to just not be human and feel that kind of tension and that, that fear when you step foot into a place that you have to kind of have your guard up. Mm-hmm. So is there anything, I know, you know, we have the show, so we can't talk too much about what happened, but is there any one thing that you might be able to share with us or is that, is that like a, a no, no? as far as what happened there? There was a lot of stuff that happened. Um, okay. we, we went into this location 
knowing a lot of the history and, you know, number one, it, it drew us to this location. So that's kind of how it started. And it really was like a year in the making. It's, it's like one big documentary that kind of unfolds and escalates to our journey and stuff leading to this spot where then we can find us our, ourselves to a hundred hours. And the evidence that we got honestly was some of the most amazing evidence I've ever seen because we're cool. using new high tech equipment that we've mm-hmm. never actually uh, had the opportunity to use. So you'll see stuff that's way more advanced than, than we ever had the chance to use. And what we've captured, I mean, I, I was so happy we stayed this long because we probably would have missed a lot of it. And we got some amazing, amazing stuff that was just, I don't know how to even explain it. It was just so bizarre and weird that <laughs> we're, we're still thinking about it. I mean, we're going to be thinking about this the rest of our life. That's how yeah. amazing it was. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, um, you guys go to a lot of places. So are there any places like each one of you, are there places you have not gone that you really want to get to something really on you your know, bucket for list? For me, yes. my yes. bucket list, yes. um, England was one of them. So did that with the black monk house and, um, there, everything else I've ever had on my bucket list, we're doing for season two. So, I mean, definitely <laughs> you guys will have to tune in to, to see what those are. It's Katrina's but, bucket list on Paranormal it's Lockdown. It's good to be Katrina. My, my bucket list. I am. I'm like, nice. I'm in paranormal heaven. Like, honestly, wow. like it's, uh, got to go to some places I've always wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't say that five times fast. How about you, Nick? Um, Anything? Yeah. I mean, there, there's several locations that I've been researching for years um, like even going back to my earlier days, I, I researched Povelia for 10 years before I was able to gain access to that. I knew about oh, Bobby yes. Mackey's years before even my first documentary. Um, and I used to talk about Bobby Mackey's all the time. I mean, so I've been, I've been researching this stuff, um, with my cousin, Justin, who produces the show Paranormal Lockdown with me and him and I, we are just like insane on looking up locations and, gathering information to new places, especially Justin. I mean, he's, he's like a beast when it comes to finding new locations. Um, there's some places on our list that are absolutely amazing that I really want to go to someday. A lot of them too are out of the country. There's some places in America that we tackled for season two, Paranormal Lockdown that are pretty, I mean, very incredible. And, um, and there's a couple other ones that are overseas. I would love to travel, you know, to Spain, to Italy, um, there's places just off the beaten path that just kind of have that that history and the claims of paranormal activity. I'm I'm always going to the place where it's what is the most active, craziest place in the world that you can put Katrina and us into, so we can go and try <laughs> to discover something new. Like that's what I'm about, you know. I'm yeah. I'm thinking to myself every night when I look up in the sky, like I am now, in the darkness with the stars kind of lit up. I'm saying, man, life is so quick. You know, you slap, you, you snap your fingers and it's over. How can we do something so incredible right now and push ourselves mentally and physically in this body that we're walking through before mm-hmm. we have the opportunity to move on? And I just want to have that ability to try to like really find that location that kind of sets the bar and, and raises that next step in the parallel field and pushes things forward so we can look at things differently as a human race. Awesome. Yeah, I I like that. So, awesome. hey, have you have you done the suicide forest in Japan? Oh. I know all about it. <laughs> I've been I'm sure about you it. do. I, I love I, that it's, research about it. It's it's on my bucket list. That's why yeah. I was asking. 
<laughs> well, let's go on a camping yeah. trip. The four of us can go oh, camping. Yeah. I'm there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't like sleeping on the ground, but for that, I might do it. <laughs> Definitely. That place creeps me out, man, big time. I hope yeah. they don't have coyotes, because Katrina doesn't like coyotes, I found out at the hint. No. Here's my thing. I, I love animals, big animal lover, but when I'm in the woods alone and I have only a camera to defend myself, like they, you know, bears and coyotes are not my thing at that get point. It. Uh, I get it. Because I'm pretty much yeah. dinner. <laughs> so. yeah, it's trying to explain like why the HD camera is now destroyed because you're beating a coyote with it trying to get it. <laughs> That's right. Why right. I'm in the woods alone, I carry. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> that's what I need to start doing. I need to get, I need to get uh, certified in that. There you yeah. go. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So, um, all right, Rob, Rob and I will be running. <laughs> you think we're like animals? <laughs> like Katrina, no, it's just us. It's just us. <laughs> well, you can't shoot. You can't shoot a, a ghost. I mean, yeah. so you know. Right, but right. It's, it's when I when I do the stuff out in the woods, it's never the the ghosts that I'm worried about. Yeah, it's I, the the animals. I was, yeah. I always joke with Katrina, though. I'm like, look, here's the deal. If ghosts come at us, you can tackle them. <laughs> if coyotes come at us in the woods, then I'll tackle it. And I'll, I'll you know, I'll, you I'll wrestle it like Leonardo DiCaprio and like the Reverend or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and as long as it's all on film, it'll be great. Right? I, yeah, I've yeah, right? <laughs> That's right. Good. That's good TV, darn it. Oh, so, yeah. um, Cheryl. And that's how Nick lost his life. That's right. But he, but he went out fighting. So yeah. Cheryl's headed on a trip with several people to Bobby Mackey's. Um, I, I don't remember when, but Bob, who's in chat, is one of the people going, and he wants to know, do you have any tips about Bobby Mackey's? Oh, yeah. I mean, that location is incredible. Um, I've been there multiple times. Uh, I'm trying to think. How, I think I've been there four times. One, wow. two, three, four. Yeah, something like that, four times. And every time it's different for me. We actually went back there and um, had a group of people who came in with us, Dana and Greg Newkirk, um, the Lee and Jennifer Kirkland, and Jeff Waldridge and all of us and our whole team kind of went in there and we invited people along with us and it was an amazing night. Um, Bobby Mackey was there. He sang Johanna acapella, which was incredible. Just walked around with his guitar and sang it. <laughs> it was awesome. That'd be um, pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was very cool. Um, but what was interesting is I always felt like I wanted to go I never, here's the thing, I went back there and I didn't want to step foot in it years ago. And I was in such a negative place in my life that I thought it would do more worse than harm. You know, it's like when you're in a negative mindset, why are you going to put more negativity into something like that? Right. And I always always try to remain positive, especially when you have locations like this that can really flip that switch on you and turn you upside down when you least expect it. And, um, and, and not until recently, I felt like I was in a better place and I wanted to go and kind of face it. And I took a different approach this time going in. And maybe it was being younger and immature, like, you know, y'all not coming any ghosts and all that stuff. And I felt like going in this time and, and respectfully talking to like Johanna and Pearl and, and going in and just kind of like setting peace with them and trying to figure out what it was that affected me so badly there. And I came to realize that when I was in the basement with a group of people, we were standing there because it was different upstairs. We had voices coming through. We had all sorts of different experiences upstairs. And when we went downstairs, completely different. And what I mean by that, it was calm one second, but I felt nervous. 
And I was standing there the first time I stepped foot back there, John Tenney was with me. And he's like, are you all right? And I'm like, man, I just feel nervous right now. He's like, yeah, I can tell. And we, him and I were talking and we walk into the room and it felt so strange. And we're just kind of all gathering around and I started asking questions. And what got interesting is when I started to dig into Scott and Alonzo, the guys who um, were murdered, um, you know, they were hung and said they would forever haunt that place and murdered and decapitated um, Pearl. And it's a crazy story, but what was creepy is on my recorder, I said, who's the negative entity that is harming people here who is, you know, show yourself. And it felt like, it felt like a bully in the room rushing at my face that came entering in the room and everyone just felt like chills go through their body. Everyone started saying every, like they're feeling this and that, and Oh my God, it feels negative before I even said anything that I was feeling. Cause I was just kind of keeping it all in for myself. Mm-hmm. So I didn't put like thoughts into other people's heads. And I felt this thing just come flying up on my face and I, and I have my recorder still and we're all there and then all of a sudden I ask, who's the negative entities that are here? And it was quiet. And you see this guy get pushed up against the wall right next to me. And I was like, holy crap, we're stopping now. And I said, all right, you got to back off and all that stuff. And then I played the recorder back and you hear this voice that comes through and it goes, um, Scott, like screaming at me, like Scott um, Jackson, it's saying their names coming through. And that location, if I had any advice to give, it would be a location to be prepared to not let your guy down because, look, you can go in there and talk a big game and just kind of like a lot of people go in thrill-seeking, you know, to have that experience. But I think if you go in there somewhat open-minded, obviously be skeptical about things, some things, but just be prepared for stuff like that because it will lash out and get you when you least expect it. And that's that type of location. You just got to be careful in there. Um, it has a it has a dark path, and it mm-hmm. holds some sort of energy that can really linger with you. And it can there can be stuff that can follow you home from there. And I've had it happen yeah. and affect my family too. Well, it'll be interesting to see um, with Cheryl because when she the last time they did something like this was Waverly Hills, and she wound up sitting downstairs with a migraine all day, which I told her I don't think was a migraine I think it was related to the place so I'll be interested to see how she she copes with Bobby Mackey's yeah it's a different energy I'm telling you it it, different people have different reactions you'll have one person in the group that doesn't feel anything and then you'll have another person next to them that just feels sick or nauseous or has to leave the room it's just one of those places it hits people in different ways Yes, we call the person who doesn't feel anything the psychic bank vault or the psychic, (laughs) (laughs) the the cooler, the chiller. Um, So we have come to the point in the show that we like to call shameless self-promotion corner. Um, And (laughs) so you guys have a, a big show coming up to promote. And also just can you tell our listeners um, about the show and where they can find you? Sure. So Paranormal Lockdown is uh, me and Nick uh, confined to uh, some of the most notorious haunted locations for 72 hours. And currently, this Monday, Halloween night, we're very excited because we will be premiering our two-hour Halloween special on TLC. Um, So we're hoping everybody will join us. It starts at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
Um, and we'll also be tweeting live during the special. So you can find me at Katrina Weidman on Twitter, and Nick is at Nick Groff underscore. Um, so definitely tune in for that. Um, the special is probably, I mean, definitely for me, it was definitely one of the most scariest places I've ever investigated. Um, and we were kind of still, <laughs> I don't know, Nick, what would you say, um, flabbergasted by the evidence we got there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around everything, especially, you know, with stuff that has affected us from uh, investigating that location. So it's it's something that I think people are going to want to watch and see uh, what I claim is more like a documentary kind of unfolding from the last year and a half of um, footage that we've been kind of putting into this special. Sounds pretty cool, guys. Yes, it sounds really cool. Well, I I was telling I was telling our listeners early. I have a party with hundreds of children, hundreds literally. Mm. Uh, but then I'll come home and drink heavily and watch your special because I'll have to drink. Children. <laughs> <laughs> children. So. I was, children, was going to say, don't turn the special on when you're in front of hundreds of the children because they're probably going to have nightmares. Yeah, we don't. No, want to. no, no. The children, I, I, I will. I will come home from the children and and then turn the special on. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much. Yeah, thanks for a lot. Coming man. on, it's been great talking to you. And yeah, uh, you too. Uh, interview yeah. tonight, right? Is this, last, is this your last interview tonight, guys? Oh, that's oh good. Yeah. yeah, we get to we get to go to bed after this. <laughs> this is the, yeah. this is the can, last and get... best. This is the best one, right, guys? Yeah, yes, I, can, I can go absolutely. and get thirty minutes of bed bed rest now. Thirty All minutes right. of rest. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Very good. Well, thank you very much. Have a great evening and and uh, have a good Halloween. Yeah, happy thank Halloween. Thank you guys. Hope you have a good one too. Get good night. sleep. All right. Good night. Bye. Bye. All right, there they go, Nick Groff and Katrina Weedman from Paranormal Lockdown. Um, great talking to them, and I, you know, me, I don't watch a lot of paranormal shows, but I will definitely maybe even try to stay sober if the kids haven't traumatized me too much to watch <laughs> Oh, my God, that was so cool. I had so much fun talking. I know you did really well. You only squealed like a girl I, once. I only squealed once. I was trying to be professional, you know, but it was really cool uh, to talk to them. I do res- I, I, I respect them even more. No, I mean, I like their thought process. I like the way they look at everything. And, uh, man, I can't wait to see. <laughs> After all this talking, now, I, I can't wait to see the special and see what really. Yeah. I didn't know they were going to do, like, you know, where they show their homes and, you know, family. And that's going to be kind of interesting to see that aspect of it and how, because that's important to the show, how it affects you as a person and the people that Oops. you love and live with, you know. So, I, you know, because I, I, I think that's an important aspect to doing it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's connected. You know, you can't help it. So. Absolutely. So, Cheryl, do we need to take a break before we do the, um, yeah, know, let's take a break. The correspondence um, yeah, and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about our correspondent segments and then we'll listen to them. They're going to be good. All, All right. right. Stick around. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. 
Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today. Join me at the Big Seance Podcast. I'm Patrick Keller of BigSeance.com, and this is a place for an open discussion on all things paranormal, but specifically topics like ghosts and hauntings, paranormal research, spirit communication, psychics and mediums, and life after death. The candles are already lit, so you might as well come on in and join the Big Seance Podcast. My name is Daryl E. Berry Jr., longtime practitioner, researcher, and explorer of things metaphysical, mystical, and cutting edge, and founder and director of Next Density, a research, education, and development effort for personal and thus global progress, transformation, and development. My current and upcoming books include Travel Far, Classes on A Course in Miracles, and Next Density. For my books and other writings, videos, interviews, public talks, and workshops, and to schedule for consultations, classes, and courses, visit DarylEberryJr.com or NextDensity.org. Next Density. Change yourself. This is Jack Kenna, paranormal investigator and author with Spirits of New England, writer and correspondent with Paranormal Underground Magazine. Also, starting this Sunday, August 28th, at 10 p.m., you can catch me on Haunted Case Files, which will highlight numerous investigations from our Spirits of New England team, as well as other investigators throughout the Northeast. Find out more at our website at www.spiritsofnewengland.org. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier, co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Thanks for listening to the show. You've probably read my column in Paranormal Underground Magazine. I write columns about energy healing, metaphysics, and also dream interpretation. But did you know I also am an author of multiple books about metaphysics and the paranormal? You can learn more about the books that I've written on my website, authorkarenfraser.com. That's author, Karen, K-A-R-E-N, Fraser, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R.com. Hey everyone, this is Winter Balefire. If you share in my love for the macabre and bizarre, please check out my website, winterbalefire.com. There you'll find some of my dark poetry, short stories, and blogs on the paranormal and occult. I'm also active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the name Winter Balefire. Thanks, hope to see you guys soon. So you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. You're listening to MixLR. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. We just had the coolest interview ever. 
Dream Techie's Weekend. still fanboying. He's going to oh, lay in bed tonight and like squeal. He's going to be like, Woo! I got to talk to him. I'm like, oh, it's so cool. I like the thought process. I, I can't wait for the show. Yes, I'm all ready. But now we're going to move on to correspondence. We have two this evening. We're going to start with just Maria Van, Van Driels, uh, which she was live from <clears throat> Frankenstein's Castle, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead. We're going to listen to that and let, let you listen to that. And then we're going to come back and then we're going to move on from there. Does that sound pretty good, Cheryl? All right, she shook her head yes. Okay, roll them. Hi, this is Maria Anna van Driel, Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark Correspondent, live from the Frankenstein Castle in Darmstadt, Germany. This castle, which dates back to 948 BC, was owned by the family von Frankenstein. And even today, both the name von Frankenstein and the castle conjures up images of monsters and walking dead. After the original Frankenstein family died out, a man, Konrad Dibble von Frankenstein, took up the residence in the castle. Dibble von Frankenstein was an alchemist having the reputation of being a grave robber who resurrected the dead. Around 1700, he turned to hermic studies and alchemy. During this particular stage in Dibble's life, he was said to have become obsessed with strange and dark matters such as exchanging a soul of one cadaver for another and exorcism. Dibble also created a potion which he called the elixir of life. This elixir, so has been said, contained dead human body parts, blood of virgins, animal parts and possible cyanide of which he believed could extend the human life of 135 years. But his biggest and most famous creation was that of a monster made of several different dead body parts that he brought to life in his laboratory. Many claimed to have seen Konrad Dibble von Frankenstein still practicing his alchemy in his laboratory and grave robbing in the dark of the night at the castle, still looking for human body parts. Standing in the laboratory of where von Ribble von Frankenstein sewed those dead body parts together is a creepy, creepy thing when you think about it. But there is something more creepy about this castle, more about the surroundings of this castle, People are saying that in these woods, around this castle, von Dribble von Frankenstein can still be heard while he is digging up his dead body parts. And now the most creepiest thing of all. We are going to stay overnight in the car in this forest, hoping to find von Dribble von Frankenstein while he is digging up his dead body parts. I'm in the laboratory and already twice, directly after I asked a question, uh, my voice recorder was knocked over and in the first time that it happened, my camera uh, was drained. And that is really impossible. It's, it had 80 minutes left of recording and that's a lot. It was completely drained.
I got a blue screen. Hi, this is Maria Anna van Riel, Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark correspondent with the following up of the Castle of Frankenstein in Germany. The night went very quiet, but the evening showed some other images. We captured an EVP that really sounds like somebody is saying with a faint voice from Dibble. But that wasn't the only thing that we recorded. While I was sitting alone in the laboratory, I had the feeling that somebody was walking up to the stairs. And suddenly we got an answer. And I have constantly the idea, the feeling that someone is walking up to the stairs, entering this room. Holy sh**, what's that? Thomas? Is the mad scientist, Konrad Dibbel von Frankenstein, still working in his laboratory? Or did we record it, an investigation? from a parallel world. And will we ever know? I just had a very, very strange uh, moment with making pictures. Um, I was taking pictures of from, uh, in that direction and that's uh, a gate that is locked. And suddenly my camera uh, wasn't taking pictures. It looked like that it was well jammed or Somehow something in that direction, and then one of the one of the pictures was a standstill, and there was something in my in my uh, display, and it looks like I thought at that moment that it was uh, the shadow of Thomas, but uh, Thomas is was standing behind me and not next to me, so I hope that I have that picture because. It could be direct evidence of um, the existence of the shadow people. It was really a figure that was standing uh, next to the next to me in the camera in the lens. All righty, so there you go, Frankenstein's castle. It's kind of cool, huh? Bleep, bleep. Frankenstein's castle starts with an F too. Look at that. Bleep, bleep, bleep. All right, so our next correspondence, and I like these. I like these two. They're really fun to listen to. They are a lot um, of fun. Yeah, Crystal and Manny, uh, host of the All Day Paranormal podcast and All Day Paranormal After Dark, the YouTube show. They have two segments we're going to listen to right now. One's a story on the recent rise in exorcisms, and then the other one's a story on political prophecy involving demons. So we're just going to go ahead and roll that. Cheryl, can you roll that one for us, please? I'm Crystal Vermis, and I'm Manny Vega. From Salem, Massachusetts, we are your Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark Correspondence. We are also the hosts of the All Day Paranormal Podcast and All Day Paranormal After Dark, the YouTube show. Find out more about us at GetSpooked.net. Now, for our Paranormal News segment of the week. Lay hands on him. And she's going to pray. And I want you to stretch forth your hands. And I really want you to intercede on his behalf. Years ago... Years ago, when we first met him and he was considering running for president, there was a great preacher there. I don't want to say his name, but he is nationally known. And he said something to you. I don't know if you remember. 
He said, I want you to understand, Mr. Trump, that if you choose to run for president, there's going to be a concentrated satanic attack against you. He said this over, over five years ago. He said, he said there's going to be a demon. Principalities and powers are going to war against you on a level that you've never seen before. And I'm watching this every day. So we're going to pray for him. I had to try so hard not to laugh while we are. <laughs> you were kind of losing it for a second there. I was expecting you to break down. Well, with that, we have entered our paranormal news segment. We have indeed, so. yes. And my story this week starts off a little bit political. So I apologize if you've been trying to avoid that, all that stuff. Uh, had, you, had you heard of that? Had you heard of this theory? I No. Yeah, third week, th- third week or so of September, a, uh, a pastor, a pro-Trump pastor, a guy by the name of Daryl Scott, he, he brought up and, I guess, reminded folks of a prior prophecy around Donald Trump uh, that said that if he ran for president, he would be the victim of a concentrated satanic attack. Yeah, that had, sounds about right. Had you ever heard of this? Uh, no, but of course he would, right? If, I mean, I don't I, I know. Guess. I mean, I guess. So, so here's a story. This is from Raw Story. Um, the Appearing at a Christian gathering in Cleveland on Wednesday, again, this is a few weeks ago, uh, GOP presidential nominee Donald Trump was put under the protection of God by a bevy of evangelicals after the host of the conference said that the New York businessman needed to be protected from a quote-unquote concentrated satanic attack. After Trump addressed a few African-American pastors and a whole lot of white people at the Midwest Vision and Values Pastors Leadership Conference, pro-Trump pastor and co-host of the event, Daryl Scott, took the mic. Speaking to the attendees, Scott claimed that a nationally known but unidentified preacher had forewarned Trump that if you choose to run for president, there's going to be a concentrated satanic attack against you. And that's the video that you heard I don't know who there. that is, though. I know. He kind of let it, I like, got to know. It's like a little bit of a spoiler. You know, yeah. like a teaser is what it was. I'm like, I mean, I'm going to find out on, like, November 5th. I guess we'll find... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right? Like, am I going to... Nobody's come forward. Um, so in a video captured by Right Wing Watch, Scott can be, can be seen announcing, quote-unquote, he said there's going to be a demon, principalities and powers that are going to war against you on a level that you've never seen before, and I'm watching it every day. Uh, taking the microphone, Scott's wife, Belinda, led the plea to the Almighty by praying, Now, God, I ask, you that, ask that you touch this man, Donald J. Trump. Give him the anointing to lead this nation. So that's that's what you heard there. Yeah. This this guy, Scott, apparently says that not only is this attackman uh, been prophesized, but he's watching it every day. He believes that this attack, I mean, they had to, oh, they had to really? perform this perform this uh, this ritual to stem off to, this attack. To, like, protect him. Like, to protect right? him, yeah. Um, I guess we should have started by saying we are not anti-religious here. <laughs> no, we're not anti-religious. <laughs> Just because I'm laughing uh, at a religious... It's more surreal um, than anything. Yeah. No, exactly, yeah. It's one of those things where I think you had to be there for <laughs> you had to, to be understand. There. But, um... Wow, if I were Donald Trump, I'd be scared. You'd be scared? Yeah, just because, like, if you're anyone, you don't want someone telling you, no matter what you believe religiously, you don't want someone telling you, hey, there's going to be, like, a lot of horrible <laughs> things coming your way. Like, that well, sucks. If I had heard that prophecy, I'd certainly be like, I Because, like, to the, to the, you know, tiniest degree, there's still that belief that, you know, if you will bad things to happen, bad things are going to happen. Sure. And they're over here saying, no, like, there are people willing bad things to happen. Like, you need to be aware. That's that's kind of, like, just scary, not even on a paranormal level, but in, in general. Well, so. do you think, especially, um, I mean, on the topic of, of, of presidential candidates or these public figures in office who put themselves out on the, on the national stage like this, that you do kind of, you know, face a lot of negativity. So both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, uh, right or wrong, are both on the receiving end of a lot of hate i would say a lot of 
Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people casting satanic spells on both of them all the time. You know what I'm saying? If you were to believe in that kind of thing. That's so, actually, you know, that's true. And even if it's not like. I think I've had that thought cross my mind before, but I've never really well, looked into it. And so. even if it's not a specific like a ritual that someone's done, like a voodoo priestess is like sticking yeah. a doll of Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. Uh, even just No, like, but like probably someone really is because this election has been so heated. Yeah. But yeah. like, the, what about the collective idea of just a bunch of people uh, thinking negative thoughts towards both of these candidates? And, and influencing? Oh, well, I mean, then we can just start, you know, blaming thoughts and energy for everything if we're going to go that route. Well, we talked about that before. I know. This idea that collective thoughts can, can create create entities, first of all. Right, the idea tulpas, of tulpas, yeah. Um, but also create um, a negative effects like in a poltergeist situation. Yeah. In a, you know, in a much, uh, much more contained and, and smaller environment. So I just wonder, like, what kind of emotional effect could a... An entire nation. I, I totally believe it. You think so? Yeah. I, well, I, I mean, I have to. If I subscribe to the belief that energy is real and creates positive and negative things, whether it's through karma and whatnot, yeah. so, or poltergeist. So, so I guess I believe it. So but. would you think it's important then that a presidential candidate, no matter <laughs> who they are, take steps to like spiritually protect themselves? No. You don't think so? No, I mean, you do do what you do every day to spiritually protect yourself. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Well, you always hear that they're, I mean, nobody's ever said they're not religious as, as a presidential candidate. There's never yeah. been an atheist candidate as far as right. I can tell. And so... Because uh, it's, you know, separation of church and state, supposedly, right, like, supposed right. to be. So. But, like, the point is, they still all seem to have some sort of faith. So do you on. think that something might be following Donald around? <laughs> I don't know. If any- <laughs> I don't think so, because aren't the polls saying he's winning right now? Right? Uh, I can't I remember. He says the polls say he's winning right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that means that's the truth. Um, but in any case, uh, I think so, I think there's certainly not a lot of negative, like I said, negative energy towards both the candidates. So I'm just curious whether or not it would make sense for them to like get uh, yeah, evangelical. Yeah, it's, uh, well, then good for him, right? Because he just got this blessing from these people. So. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be hollow yeah. around holy water wherever right. I go. Yeah, I, you should. You got the stones in the back pocket. and I, I mean, I actually do walk around. with. I have a bag of stones that I have in my purse that yeah. I bring all the time. So. And is that for some sort of spiritual protection? It is, but I also know that I'm like sensitive to negative energy, so right. it's a personal thing, I think. Do you think Hillary Clinton is taking any sort of steps right now as well? Well, doesn't she already start her day with one jalapeno per day? She has a jalapeno per yeah. day, yeah. Maybe she has sure. a, few, a few flicks of the holy water. Yeah, too. like that's a ritual. I mean, right? her, her, it's some kind of like it's some superstition. <laughs> no, just but I mean, she starts her day with it. Like yeah. she's it's still a belief. I don't know. Her candidates, her her campaign manager is the guy who believes in the UFOs. Oh so. right, um, P- Podesta, John John Podesta. That guy is so sick. I cannot wait until <laughs> we finally find out the truth about aliens. I mean. Phew. We're count- Phew, man, I'm telling you. We're counting on you, John. And I haven't. I don't know what Trump has said about aliens yet. I don't think. Do you he's, know his? I don't think he's. I don't think he's official campaign position well, on aliens yet. Right. Well, how am I? Sp- I need to see both sides before I can make an educated vote. Hopefully, it's a topic at the next debate. Well, if one of these candidates is possessed, I have you know some interesting news for the for our segment this week. Uh, there's been a rise in exorcisms lately. Oh, perfect. So, you know, the business is hopping. Like it sounds like if you need one done, you got you got you know Plenty other yeah, and you will not be looked at weird because there's been a dramatic rise in exorcism lately. Dramatic Did rise you in know exorcism. that? I no, but I could you guessed. have guessed. I could have guessed. How come? Because just the the fervor around. First of all, a presidential candidate was just getting an evangelical, <laughs> uh, you know, like a, a ritual true. to because to true. protect him from a satanic attack. So I think in general, though, uh, it does speak to how um, I guess very open and public the whole topic more, of more spiritual people demonic are attacks. Or? I don't know if there's more spiritual, but you definitely hear about demonic attacks way more in culture, pop culture, uh, movies, TV, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, true. Well. 
As this story goes here, uh, dramatic exorcisms have been popular, you know, for entertainment since the 1973 release of The Exorcist. Um, But albeit in less theatrical fashion, the practice is also an ever-increasing part of the workload in the Catholic Church. And much of that can be attributed to young people experimenting with what they find on the internet, said Walter Cascioli, a psychologist and scientific consultant to the Vatican-endorsed International Associations of Exorcists. He says the lack of exorcists is a real emergency, as in, you know, the people who can conduct like, like working exorcisms, exorcists. Right. Uh, he says there is a pastoral emergency as a result of a significant increase in the number of diabolical possessions that exorcist priests are confronting. The number of exorcists has increased in recent years, but there are still not enough to deal with the dramatic situation that affects, above all, young people who use the internet a lot. I don't know if he's really blaming the internet here, well, <laughs> but I, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, As the article continues, Pope Francis has previously been credited with sparking renewed interest in a a practice that was once something of a taboo subject in the Catholic Church. The pontiff has regularly cited the need to guard against the work of the devil. This generation and many others have been led to believe that the devil is a myth, a figure, an idea, the idea of evil, Francis said in a mass shortly before Halloween 2014. But the devil exists, and we must fight him. Cascioli, who claims a general degradation of morality in society is also to blame, has called for a training institution at university level to be set up to educate priests on performing exorcists and help fill the growing demand. That demand has spread to the U.S., with one pastor admitting he is struggling to cope with all the requests. I'm a full-time pastor, and this is a very intense ministry, said Reverend Gar Thomas, the official exorcist of the Diocese of San Jose, California. Almost every free night that I have is taken up with exorcisms. So imagine if that was the case. And um, that is how that story ends right there. And basically, if you think that exorcisms are just this weird thing that happens and, you know, third world countries, you better think again. (laughs) It's not just there. So, I guess a big increase in the demand for exorcisms, but not enough exorcists to serve that demand. Yeah, not enough schools. Not enough schools of exorcism. Not enough people taught. I mean, are you afraid? Are you afraid of being possessed? Do you need well, no. I think that's preachers part of the, like you know helping you out like Donald Trump had? I mean, I, I think that's part of the problem. I think the part of the, part of the issue is so mu- so many more people are first of all afraid that they have been possessed and immediately jumping to exorcism. Uh, and so, like, the, the increased awareness of it, I think, has created a lot of false flags, probably. And then the fact that more people are playing around... You know, this movie's like Paranormal Activity out there, so they're playing around with yeah. movie boards. They're, like, becoming amateur paranormal investigators of their own, so they're probably inviting some of this stuff in. Um, but I think... We talked about this many times on this podcast before. Um, always around, like, the release of one of these movies, or just increased attention in general towards uh, the demonic through pop culture. It's like... What will be the negative effects of this? Will this create more um, interest in these like darker parts of the paranormal? And as a result, will you see an increase in in possessions and therefore an increase in exorcisms? Like, what's well, the- as paranormal investigators say, you know, nine out of ten cases they deal with usually are all explainable through natural causes. Mm-hmm. But then that one out of ten, ten percent, is real and it's terrifying. And whether it's a ghost or a demon, it's not something to be taken lightly. So. Yeah. Uh, there's also the possibility that maybe there's just more attention being paid 
to people who are possessed rather than what we've been calling them, which is maybe like mentally ill sure, sure. or, you know, so. I think, I think we're at just a point in our, in our culture where it's, it's, it's much more of a common topic. And so we actually even asked uh, John Zaffis about this. Um, I think it was probably about a year ago. Yeah, you asked at a, 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 at a talk, at a, at a lecture. We yeah, exactly. We attended a lecture, and he was uh, speaking about demonology and all that sort of thing. And so, you know, I asked, like, is this is this an, an, an expected outcome from all this increased uh, cultural attention around uh, the paranormal and, and especially the darker side of the paranormal? And he said, yes, I think it is, and I think you will see uh, many more people either, um, you know, claiming to be possessed or legitimately being possessed. And so it's probably not that big of a surprise to someone like him that you see that that many more exorcisms happening. All righty there, folks. That was Crystal Vermis and Manny Vega. They had the two segments, exorcism. And I like this political prophecy involving demons. That was pretty interesting. Sweet. Yes. Nice. Okay. Well, we have like absolutely no time left. Yeah. So we One minute. Go. Week's show. So next week's show, who do we have, Cheryl? Let me pull it up here. Okay, we've got next week, which is November 3rd, mm-hmm. we have Nuzo Ono. She is the queen of African horror. Nice. Very good. All right. Yes. And we have we have a good lineup of stuff coming up over the next few months. Yep. Um, so come few, listen to yeah, us. A few weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. few weeks, I mean. Sorry. So uh, come listen to us and come listen to us live and join poor Bob in the chat room. He's so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> But in the meantime, uh, thank you to Nick and Katrina, and thank you, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We'll be back next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place, or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.